Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Now, for those of you who are fighting to stay on the good list, you've only got five more days, okay? You, you can persevere and make it to the end. But this is a great season that we're in. Uh, for myself, uh, I've just appreciated the series uh, Christmas Wonder that Doug and my, my uh, son, uh, David, um, taught. In fact, yesterday, I do have to make a correction, okay? He called me an old man. I'm not old, okay? And he referred to himself as the son of Cheryl, his mother. David, I am your father, okay? But truly, this is the season where we come together and we remember really one of the most significant events in human history. For you kids, family service, this is for the kids only, we have Jesus Bingo, okay? And so as I teach through the message, you hear one of these words or phrases or a verse reference, you check it off, and then at the end of the service, you can go back there, you've got a special gift, okay, if you get a, a Jesus Bingo. And that's, by the way, just for the kids, adults, please, okay? Humor me a little bit. Anyway, Christmas is one of the most celebrated, commercialized holidays in the world, it gets a whole month. In fact, if you look at it, as soon as Halloween is over in our country, I mean, the Christmas decorations go up, and so it may even get two months. And you would think, would you not, that it would be hard to miss Christmas with all the decorations and the gifts and the caroling and the parties and the clothes. I mean, how in the world could anybody miss Christmas? Is it possible in our culture to miss it? Absolutely. And you can miss it for the same three reasons that people missed the first Christmas 2,015 years ago. Today, what I want to do is I want to take a look at the biblical story, okay, and the three most common reasons why people missed it 2,015 years ago. And then I want us to take a look at how you can be assured of not missing it. So let's take a look at this. Three reasons why people don't experience the wonder of Christmas. And the first one is simply this, busyness. And we see this with the innkeeper. Now, you know the story, do you not? Mary is in her last week of pregnancy. She's traveling with Joseph to Bethlehem, where they are going to have a census and, and taxation as a result, okay, by the Roman Empire. When they get there, Mary goes into labor, and Joseph tries to check her into a local holiday inn. He comes up to the desk clerk and says, do you have any room? And he says, we don't have any room. There's no vacancy here, okay? The place is filled up, and so baby Jesus is born in a manger. Now, that word manger is an English word that refers to a feed trough. And that feed trough was not made out of a wood or a wooden box. Rather, it was made out of limestone. I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to Bethlehem. And there are lots of them around. It's just a carved out box of, from lime. And, and feed was put in there for animals. And that is where Jesus was laid. Truly, the very first Christmas was a very simple Christmas. But like I said... There was no room for him at the end. Take a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7. There's no room for them in the end. Circle the phrase, no room. 
Now, for the innkeeper, hey, this is great, isn't it? I mean, business is booming. It's sold out. All these out-of-towners are coming in. Finally, the government did something right to stimulate the economy, okay? This guy's thinking, wow, this is good news. But here's my point. Busyness with his own business caused him to miss the greatest opportunity in his life. The Son of God could have been born in his end. Can you imagine with me the the PR power of that? He could have put a sign out in front of his house, Jesus, the Son of God, born here. Folks, I've been to Israel, and they do that there, and they don't lack for any customers whatsoever. This guy missed it. But let's pause here for a second. Bring this to the 21st century. Are you too busy with your business to make room for Jesus even in the next five days? And when I say that, I'm not talking about in your home. I'm talking about in your schedule, in your thoughts, in your budget, in your plans. Are you so busy with everything, especially the last five days, that you are going to miss the wonder of Christmas? The first reason they missed it 2015 years ago was busyness. Second reason is familiarity. And what I mean by that is that you're so familiar with the Christmas story that it doesn't produce wonder. You don't see the magic. You don't feel and experience the awe. It just doesn't amaze anymore because guess what? You've heard it all before, haven't you? You say to yourself, I know the story. I know the songs. I know the traditions. And so I'm jaded. For me, it's just a whole hum. <laughs> can't wait till it's over with, okay? You can't become, you can become so familiar with something that it doesn't amaze. Isn't that right? You, you miss the beauty because you think you understand it. You see it, you've studied it, you've examined it, but you don't do anything about it. This was the mistake of the religious leaders in Jerusalem. It's even interesting to me, as you study the Christmas story, not one religious person was invited. Did you know that? No priest, no scribe, no no, no philosopher, no theologian. They missed it. And why weren't they invited? I think it's because Jesus wasn't into religion. He was into relationships. Let me give you a little picture of what's going on. The Bible tells us that there were some wise men from the east who had seen something in the sky. We're not for sure what it was, but for something in the sky. And they headed towards Jerusalem because they had a vague knowledge of prophecy that the, the Savior of the world was to be born there. But they just didn't know where. Somewhere in Israel. Now, we don't know a lot about these wise men. What we do know is that they came from the east. It may have been China. It could have been India. I happen to believe it was from Babylon because several hundred years before this event, Daniel was there and he was definitely into prophecy and he, was de- and he definitely foretold the first coming of Christ. We don't know all about these guys, but what we do know is that they saw something in the sky and they said, you know what, we're gonna check this thing out. And so these wise men go on a long journey and they end up in Jerusalem, part of Israel, and they ask for a presence with the king, King Herod. And they ask King Herod, where is the Messiah? 
Where is the son of God? Where is the savior of the world? And Herod, King Herod, doesn't have the foggiest idea. And so what he does is he calls in his religious leaders and he says, hey, what is up with this king of the Jews? Tell me the where, the when, the why, all this kind of stuff. And what is stunning as you read this story is that these religious leaders knew all about it. They'd been debating it. They'd been discussing it. They knew all the details about it. Take a look at Matthew chapter two, four through five. Herod called a meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Christ would be born. And they answered, and they didn't hesitate, and they answered in the town of Bethlehem in Judea. The prophet, that is Micah, Micah 5, 4, wrote about this in the scriptures. Interesting, isn't it? They answered Herod right up. They knew the details. They said, hey, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And though they knew, though they were familiar with the story, the details, they were unconcerned. They didn't care enough to go check it out themselves. Foreign dignitaries had traveled thousands of miles to go check it out. But these religious people, these religious leaders were unwilling to go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is just a five-mile distance. Folks, they could have done it in two hours. But they rather talk about it and debate about it and list all the details about it. They had become jaded. Let's bring this to the 21st century. This can happen to you and I, especially if you go to church all the time. You've studied it, you've heard it, you know the details. You've, in fact, you've heard it countless of times and yet you can still miss it. I mean, here's an interesting thought. These scholars had been waiting and debating this subject matter, that what had happened over the years is they built all these traditions around it, okay? And what happened was that as they were waiting and debating the Messiah and built all these traditions around it, they missed it. Over the years, they'd accumulated all kinds of traditions. And when Jesus finally shows up, they miss it. Does that sound familiar to you? We have all these traditions in our culture, don't we? And don't misunderstand me. I love tradition. I have dressed up like a man in a red suit before, okay? We have all these traditions. We have the Hallmark Christmas, Christmas channel that you cannot miss because you know the ending, okay? Okay? We've got Santa Claus, we've got Frosty, uh, uh, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and now the latest thing, a few years ago, Elf on a Shelf. We keep adding new traditions and new traditions and new traditions, and what happens is that we forget the reason of the season. We forget the Christmas wonder that God came to earth. What difference do you think that would make if you really knew the true reason of Christmas? You see, if you don't know the true reason of Christmas, my guess is this, is that you have been overtaken by tradition. 
Today, a lot of intelligent people will put up Christmas trees in their homes if they haven't already, and yet they will show no concern whatsoever for checking out why they're doing it. You see, the main reason why God entered into human history is simply this, is that he wanted a relationship with you. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want a bunch of rules, regulations, and rituals, traditions. He wants a relationship. And if you miss that, you have missed the purpose of Christmas. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Their minds are in the dark, and they are stubborn, stubborn, so they have missed out on the life that comes from God. They just don't get it. Why? Busyness, tradition. The third one is fear. It is a sad fact, is it not, that some people are just scared to death of Christmas. They're afraid of it. They fight it. That is why they fight, I believe, nativity scenes on public property. That is why some businesses tell their clerks, their sales clerks, whatever you do, don't say Merry Christmas. They're afraid of it. Now, this was not the innkeeper's problem, and it wasn't the religious keeper's problem. It was King Herod's problem. It was a governmental problem. And King Herod was a crazy dude, okay? He was the king of the Jews, but he wasn't Jewish. He was from Arab descent, okay? And the Jews hated him. And when I say crazy, I'm talking paranoid. He was so afraid of Christmas because he was afraid that someone might overthrow his reign. Let me explain this paranoia, okay? Okay, people who were close to him, if he had any inkling that you were going to overthrow him, you were history. He killed his wife. Look at your spouse right now. Don't get her a new cutlery set, okay? He killed his wife. He killed his mother. He killed two of his sons. He killed his brother-in-law. Five days before he died, he had all of his kids executed because he didn't want any of them to succeed him. On the day of his death, he executed prominent Jews because, as he said, nobody's going to mourn and weep and grieve over my death, and I want someone grieving when I do. Folks, this guy was nuts. When he hears of the wise men telling him that the Savior of the world has entered, the King of the Jews, he makes up a rule that all babies two years and younger are to be put to death. It is called the massacre of the innocent. That is why Matthew writes in Matthew 2, 3, when King David heard about this news, he was very disturbed and worried. And this is what got me. And so was everyone else in Jerusalem. I wonder why. Now, you and I don't have that kind of fear today. But what I find is that there are a lot of people who are afraid to get to know God. And they're afraid for three reasons. They're afraid because if they invite the king of kings into their life, that they'll lose their freedom, that they'll lose their fun, and that they'll become a fanatic, that they will have to walk around in Hawaiian shirts and say, praise the Lord, okay? So let me just say this. When you invite Christ into your life, he doesn't make you more religious. He makes you more human. A saint of old put it like this. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. 
And if you haven't connected with your creator who has made you, you're not living, you're existing. You have been made by God and you have been made for God until you understand that life isn't going to make a whole lot of sense. The only reason that you and I are alive right now is that God doesn't want to give you a religion. He wants to give you a relationship. He made you to love you, and all he wants from you is for you to love him back. And you know what keeps us from doing that? It's fear. And King Herod's deepest fear was this, I don't want anybody to be in control but me. Does that sound familiar? That is why a lot of people fear God. Hey, I want to be God. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it with whom I want to. I don't want to be accountable to anybody but me. I call this the Herod mentality. I'm not going to allow Jesus to be king. I'm going to be king. And Herod, like the religious leaders, was only five miles away from Jerusalem. And yet he didn't go check it out because he wanted to be king. Take a look at 1 Timothy 6.21. Some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. Now, you can know a lot of stuff in life. You can know all about the tech world. You can know all about science. You can know all about even religion. And you can debate it and discuss it. But if you don't know God, you've missed the purpose of Christmas. You see, you were put here to know God and to be known by God. And so how do you not miss Christmas? If busyness and familiarity and fear keep you and I from knowing Christ, how do you and I not miss Christmas in, the two, in 2015? Well, I've got a formula. This is similar to a formula that I grew up with. You see, when I grew up with, kids didn't, especially when they're toddlers, didn't have fire retardant clothes. And so it was taught very young on, for those of you who are my generation, you know this, if your clothes got on fire, what are you supposed to do? Stop, drop, and roll, right? Well, this formula is similar. It's stop, look, and listen. If you're not gonna miss the, uh, miss Christmas and the awe and the wonder of it, you've got to stop and you've got to look and you've got to listen. So will you write this down? First, you've got to, I've got to stop. I've got to stop filling my life with less important things. Let me, let me just share with you a few verses. Psalms 39, verse six. All man's busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches for someone else to spend. Sounds like Collin County, doesn't it? I mean, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And then we put it in our closet and then next year we re-gift it as a white elephant gift exchange, right? That's what we do. Well, you've heard the saying, beware of the, barren, or beware of the barrenness of busyness. Busyness can fill up our schedules, doing this and doing that during the holidays, and yet it can fracture our families. More fights and divorces happen during this season than any other season of the year. And yet the greatest tragedy in life is that most people are too busy for God. So what is the antidote? Will you take a look at Psalms 46, verse 10. 
Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Chill out. Stop. Slow down, okay? The famous philosopher Pascal said it like this. All of man's problems came from his in, come from his inability to sit still. Isn't that interesting? We're hurried and we're worried. And all of a sudden what has happened is we become the innkeeper. We're too busy with our busyness to allow Jesus room to come in. Now it's interesting to me as you study the story who God tells first about his entry into human history. It was the shepherds. And why the shepherds? Because all they were doing is sitting around under the quiet, under the, under the night sky with the stars in them. And an angel shows up and says, hey, you want to go check out this? I mean, it's pretty significant. God's entered into human history right here, okay? And what else are you going to do? You're not watching TV, so you go, hey, let's check this out, okay? Here's my point. God always speaks to people who aren't in a hurry and are willing to listen. If you're in a season, the holiday season, the Christmas season, and you've got some major decisions before you, my advice would be this, slow down. Take some time, be quiet. Because if you do, God will speak to you. And when he speaks, he multiplies. Take a look at Proverbs 10, 27. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. In other words, the time that you give, God will multiply it. I say this, whatever you need most of, you give to God because he is a multiplier. You put the loaves that you have and the fish that you have in his hands and what he does is he multiplies. You give him the money you have and he multiplies. You give him the energy you have and he multiplies. You give him the time, especially during the Christmas season and what he will do is he will multiply. And so you need to stop and give reverence to God. Secondly, is you look. You look at why Jesus came. You know that he came. It's called Christmas. But do you know why he came? If you can't give five or six reasons why Jesus came in and entered into human history at Christmas time, you need to do an investigation. Herod did it right. At least he asked the wise men to do it. Take a look at Matthew 2, verse 8. Go and make a careful search for the child. Now these wise men, like I said, we don't know a lot about them. We, they came from the east, but they were following something in the sky. We're not for sure what it was. It may have been a star. It may have been a comet. It may have been some planets that were aligning and moving. We don't know. But what we do know is this that whatever was in the sky was there for all to see. But for the most part, nobody checked it out. Those who were the closest missed it. Those who were far off got it. Why? Because they went to check it out. 43 years ago, I was far off from God. I didn't know it at the time, but God sent a star into my life. Her name is Cheryl. Two years later, I married her. When that came to my attention, and basically I just said to God, God, if you're real, I want to know you. I really do. 
I want you to fill the void in my life. I, I want to trust you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. And when I did that, I would have you know something. Nothing happened whatsoever. But it was a turning point in my life. For me, it was like marriage. I will never forget this. Two days into my honeymoon, at the great honeymoon spot in Missouri, the Ozarks, in a honeymoon suite, Cheryl and I are sitting on the bed. I look at her and I say, you know what? I can't believe I'm married. I don't feel married. She looked at me and said, I don't care how you feel, you are. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? What was going on inside me? In fact, you might write this down because I think this happens to a lot of us. My emotions were getting caught up with my decision. Today, I left 5 o'clock in the morning to get ready for this Sunday and for four services on Christmas Eve. I saw my wife in bed. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I get to be with her the rest of my life. I am married. Sometimes that's what happens when you give your life to Christ. You start off and in your thinking, this sounds reasonable. And then you make the decision, but only afterwards do you begin to realize the results. Today you look back and you go, it's the best decision I ever made in my life. And so you come to God. You come to God during Christmas time and you say, God, here I am. I'm not perfect, God, but I know that you are. And I am willing to exchange my imperfection for your perfection. Take a look at what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 29, 13. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I just want to challenge us during this Christmas season to take a look at Christ. If you have never read the Bible, and checked it out for yourself. I want to give you a gift, no strings attached. I don't care whether you're a child, student, or an adult. I have a Bible. And I want to give it to you because I want to challenge you that during this holiday season, this next year, that you will read at least the New Testament. And that you will check out why he came and, what, and who he is and what he wants to do in your life. It's my gift for you. And I can tell you this, when I began reading this book, I had all kinds of doubts. But I will never forget reading the story where a guy came up to Jesus wanting his son healed, and he says, if you believe, and he says, hey, I do believe, but help me with my doubts. And God has filled in a lot of blanks in my life. And so you stop, you look, and then number three, you listen. You listen to the good news of Christmas. Don't be afraid of it. Take a look at Luke chapter 2. And the angel said, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. Folks, it's good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. And what is that good news? Well, take a look at John 10, 10. Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Will you circle two words? Life and fullest. That is one of the re reasons Jesus came to earth. He came to give you life and give it to you to the fullest. And why? 
It's because you aren't living life to the fullest. I guarantee you that. You can't be living life to the fullest if you are not connected to your creator who made you to love you and who has a purpose for your life. You see, the reality is this. I was reading a philosophy book just a few weeks ago. And the question that was posed that this philosopher was answering was, what's the purpose of life? And he says, the purpose of life is like an inchworm. It's just to inch one's way from one activity to the next. That's a despairing answer, don't you think? And yet a lot of people do that. They just, you've seen an inchworm? I saw one this summer. They're really kind of cute. And we inch from Christmas to New Year. And we inch from New Year's to the Super Bowl. Then we inch to Valentine's Day. We're just inching our way along in life. We're just existing. But people lose their fear when they know and understand what Jesus came to do. Take a look at John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world. There's a lot of ways that that God could have entered into the world, would have scared the living daylights out of us. But he chose to come as a baby. Why? Because nobody's afraid of a baby. And he chose to come that way because he wants to save us. Now, I don't know what kind of year or what kind of holiday you're having right now, you may be depressed. You may be in despair. You may be in some doubts over some decisions that need to be made. You may be discouraged. I don't know what kind of year you've had all year. You may have been sick all year. You may have been struggling with some kind of illness or some financial problem or a a career or vocational issue in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with, but what I do know is this, for unto us is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. God came to save you and to give you life, not to condemn you. And so no matter what you're going through, here's my advice. Whatever you do, don't run away from God. Because whatever you run away from only builds more anxiety within you. Rather, run towards him. Because what you will discover is care and comfort and concern. You will discover that you matter to him and that he has plans for your life, plans for your welfare and not for your calamity. And so let me wrap this thing up. What's causing you to miss Christmas, the awe of it, the wonder of it in 2015? To experience it, you have to do three things. You gotta stop, you gotta look, you gotta listen. You have to stop, take a look at 1 Peter 2.24. Christ carried the burden of our sins on the cross so that we should stop living for sin and start living for what is right. His wounds heal us. So you gotta stop the old ways and you gotta start some new ones. For some of you that might be, you gotta stop being a fan of Jesus. And now you gotta start becoming a follower. You gotta stop having him just in your head where you discuss and you debate and you drop him to your heart. For those of you who have already done that, maybe for you is that, you know what? I need to recommit myself to truly being a follower of Christ and being with God's people. Maybe for others of you, it might be, you know what? I've never demonstrated my faith where I've taken a stand for Jesus Christ through baptism. I don't know what it is for you, but you gotta stop your old ways and you gotta start some new ones. 
And then you have to look. Take a look at Isaiah 45, verse 22. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God and there is no other. No other man in human history has claimed to come from God out of heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was buried in the grave and resurrected three days later. I think it's pretty reasonable when you examine the evidence and you really take a look at it, that he was God. He is our savior. And then you listen to the good news. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Listen to what God says. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Not next week, not next, not next month, not next year. Today is the day. So, on this 2015th year of Christmas, will you give Jesus the greatest gift of all? Will you give him a perfect, reasonable, good gift in giving him of yourself. He wants a relationship with you this year. Let's pray. Lord, there is an awe a wonder about Christmas that just captures the imagination of man, that draws him into a relationship with you. If we would only stop, take a look and listen to what you said to what you did. I don't know where you're at this Christmas season, but maybe you need to drop Jesus from your head to your heart. You've debated it, you've discussed it, you know the details about it, but you've never made him the center of your life and dropping him to your heart. Today's your day. Will you just say this, God, I want to just slow down long enough to say to you, thank you for coming into my world, for dying on the cross for my sins, for my indifference, for my pride, for my arrogance, for the things that I've done to myself and the things that I've done to others and God, the things I've done to you. Today, I want to listen and receive the good news. Jesus, come into my heart and be my king. Lead me and guide me, God. I want to experience life. I just don't want to inch along. I want to experience it, God. I want to know your purpose for me. And so, God, I give you my life this Christmas season. Come in. Do your work. And years from now, God, may I be able to look back and say it's the best decision I've ever made in my whole life. If you said that prayer in your own way, I believe God heard you. On your connection card, would you just let me know? Write the letter A on it. Circle it. Give me your email address. 
That A stands for I've accepted Christ. I've made him, I'm a follower now and not just a fan. And throw those in the offering basket as it goes by and I'll mail you some literature this week that'll help you understand what you've just done. And so God, thank you for entering into our world. Thank you for kids of worship that raise their hands, that break our hearts, that help us to see maybe afresh this busy season that we're in. So God, we give you this. In your son's name, amen. Well, let's go ahead and continue in our worship by giving back to God.